I just returned home after watching the Queen biopic Bohemian Rhapsody in theaters for the first time. And before we get any further, I want to let you know that this is an immediate reaction video, not a review, and a reaction video by just a casual Queen fan. I'm not a cinematography expert, I'm also not a musical historian, and I don't know everything that there is to know about Queen. So I feel like I represent just the every Queen fan that might be going to watch or has watched this film in theaters. Let's get my feelings about the film overall out of the way right now. And I freaking loved it so much that I tweeted out that it is now my favorite movie of all time. I can't wait to go to the theater and watch this thing again. Uh, obviously, I loved it a lot. Took over the spot from Fight Club, if you're interested in that. From the very first part of the movie when they show Freddie Mercury going to walk out on stage at Live Aid, I was gripped from right that point. I knew that the culmination of this film would probably be the legendary concert at Live Aid. And shortly after, he's going to go walk on stage. We transition into Farrakh Bolsara's family home, which of course is Freddie Mercury's home. He doesn't change his name until a little bit later in the film when he really becomes this presence on the stage. But yeah, from that moment, I was I was locked in. Let's talk about some negative things and something that I heard going into the theater, or before I went into the theater, that I don't necessarily agree with. The things that I don't like, basically, I wish it were longer. But that's what I feel about every full-length feature that has a long and complex story. They boil the decade and a half of rock and roll dominance from Queen down to two hours and 15 minutes. And any time that you have a story or a timeline that is that expansive, similar to the Harry Potter books when they were turned into movies, they cut out a lot of stuff to make it be able to fit the feature length. And with this film, I know that they don't follow uh, the real timeline of Queen's history, and I know that they uh, change some facts about the film. But this, it's not a documentary. It's a movie that is meant to entertain, and I think it did a phenomenal job of entertaining, so that the fact that it didn't follow the real timeline didn't really upset me because they got the information that they needed uh, for Queen's entire history. They were able to get it in the two hours and 15 minutes, but I would have liked it expanded into like a Netflix miniseries or uh, a few different movies, you know, a four-part movie series so that we could have had more information on Freddie Mercury's home life and his family. That didn't happen, and that's absolutely fine because I knew going in this is a, a movie and it's going to be tough to put that 15 years or whatever it was into a feature-length film. The two things that I heard going into it uh, that I disagree with... One is that there were some people that were disappointed that this movie was about the band, not just uh, a historical biopic or whatever of Freddie Mercury. But when watching the movie, there's a lot of times where the guys talk about the band is a family. And they say at the end, after the band had been broken up for a little bit uh, in the movie, it doesn't follow the real timeline, but in the movie they were broken up. And when they come back together, the other three guys, Roger Taylor, John... Deacon and Brian May say to Freddie that they'll get back together on the condition that there's no longer going to be the fight over putting who wrote the song on the album and who gets how much money from each one of the songs that they published. That they say that they're a family and they just want everything to be queen and that the royalties will be split evenly. So, seeing all of that in the movie and then thinking about people that wanted it to be just about Freddie makes a lot of sense that it was about 
All of them. And that's really reiterated when Freddie tries to go out on his own. He says that the band he hired did exactly what he told him to do, and that was a problem because he wasn't able to bounce his creative thoughts off of the band members and have the kickback uh, from guys like Roger Taylor, who evidently the film portrays Freddie having a little bit of... Uh, they didn't get along all the time, but that could be what created the magnificent artistry and musical talent that this band ended up having and, and what we now know and love as Queen and Hole. The second thing that I heard going into it that I disagree with is so there were a lot of people that said that they didn't like how the film handles Freddie Mercury's sexuality. I, I don't know what I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong in thinking that they did a fine job of portraying his sexuality Sure, there were no, like, really overt um, gay sexual scenes, but we saw that after he was with Mary Austin and he started uh, touring, they were on an American tour, he's at a payphone talking to his girl Mary Austin, and there's a truck driver that walks by, and Freddie kind of checks him out, looks at his ass and stuff, the guy walks into the bathroom, and they kind of give you the feeling that Freddie's probably going to go into the bathroom with this guy. Uh, and then... We see a lot. We see a few times where Freddie kisses somebody. I think the first um, man that he kisses in the film is Paul Prenter, who's gonna. I'm gonna talk about him again soon. Uh, so we saw him kissing some guys, and then we saw him come out to Mary Austin at Mary Austin's home, where she said that she, he she had known he was gay for a while. He tried to tell her that he was bisexual. She calls him gay. Whatever. I think they did a fine job portraying it. I mean, going into the movie, uh, maybe. Maybe somebody who didn't know anything about Queen went and saw the film and they were surprised by Freddie being gay. But if you know Queen at all, you know he's gay. I think they did a fine job portraying that he was that. Uh, some of his romantic relationships weren't the best. I'm coming back to how they shoved this movie into the two-hour and 15-minute thing again. At the end, Freddie's relationship with Jim Hutton, it, it like... They put that in like a five-minute little piece, little window. And, of course, his relationship with Jim was, was way longer than that. So they, they just kind of shoved it uh, really down. Let's get into some... I'm going to fanboy out a little bit. This movie, in my opinion, obviously had the best soundtrack in movie history. Of course, I'm a big Queen fan. Uh, they're not my favorite band of all time. I do love them a lot. I'm one of the greatest bands ever to do the damn thing. Phenomenal soundtrack. The only other soundtrack that I can think of off the top of my head that I might have liked more or equally as much would be uh, the soundtrack to Into the Wild because Eddie Vedder did a phenomenal job using his music that he wrote with an acoustic guitar uh, that helped the story go along. So the music in this film was great and they used how the band wrote the songs as a way to kind of progress the story forward again there's some historical inaccuracies in that but I, I was it was fine it was actually really great in my opinion because you'd have some of the the movie style drama um in any film that you might have a, a love story or something not just a biopic and then the band would get together and one of the members of the band would say hey i got this got this kind of new sound i want to experiment with maybe we could turn it into something like when john deacon brought out the buddha boom 
boom, 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 boom. Another one bites the dust, of course. You, you see that he's got that. He said, I get this. And then he kind of gave Freddie Mercury free reign to kind of do with the, the song what he wanted. He had wrote the lyrics, but Freddie got to put his own little vibe on it. And also when uh, Brian May brings up the boom, 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 we will rock you, of course. They, the film does a really good job using that music uh, to move the story forward. And I liked how they showed us a little bit, I don't know if it's true or not, a little bit how they made these songs, especially Bohemian Rhapsody. Of course, that was a focal point. Uh, and what was interesting with how they made Bohemian Rhapsody, we knew this already, that Freddie made them do a ton, a ton, a ton of takes of the operatic section of that song. And in order to get it to be what he wanted it to be. When they're talking to their record label, they wanted to put Bohemian Rhapsody out as the single. And they're like, absolutely not. It's six minutes long. We want to go with I Love My Car or uh, was it You're My Best Friend? Record label doesn't want to put out Bohemian Rhapsody because he wants to put out a three-minute song, something that a teenager would rock out to in his car, which I think is kind of ironic because in 1992 when Wayne's World came out, Wayne's World of course, is famous for their singing Bohemian Rhapsody in their car. Four dudes rocking out in their car to Bohemian Rhapsody. So it was funny that uh, the record label guy said he wasn't going to put the song out as a single because it wasn't a song that people would rock out to in their car. And then that, that Wayne's World, of course, that's exactly what they did. Now let's talk about the casting. Again, I'm just fanboying out, but it was phenomenal. Rami Malek did... I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but he did a phenomenal job capturing the essence of Freddie Mercury with his mannerisms, with his stage presence, with how he moved his body. And also, he looked a lot like him. I know that there were uh, prosthetics and, and goofy stuff that went into making him look almost exactly like Freddie Mercury with, with those four extra incisors and that, that nasty overbite that Freddie had. He looked just like him. I've watched a lot of Freddie Mercury interviews and I've watched his uh, live performances, the best ones that I could find on YouTube, multiple times. I think I've watched the Live Aid concert seven times now. Probably going to watch it some more after coming home and, and being pretty stoked about the film. But Malik got the mannerisms down really, really well. The weird things that Freddie does with his mouth while he's like uh, kind of receiving a question from an interviewer and then how like identically had the stage movements of Freddie Mercury, especially at the culmination of this film, which ended with uh, a near-perfect exact replica. Uh, there were a few, so there were, I think there were two songs that were left out of the performance at Live Aid, which is fantastic, because the best version of Live Aid that you can find on YouTube still isn't like high-quality video, but for this film to recreate that concert and the really good job that that Malik did being Freddie Mercury was fantastic and also if I didn't know any better I would say that Brian May took a freaking time machine here to be in this film and played himself in the movie uh Willem Lee looked exactly like Brian May did uh, at 1985 at the Live Aid concert. So they, they did a phenomenal job of casting him. Also, Ben Hardy looked a lot like Roger Taylor. Um, I don't know too much about what Mary Austin truly looks like, but um, they had a beautiful lady play Mary Austin, and, and that was neat. Now, the 
movie as just a movie and not thinking about it as a documentary type of biopic film. It had a lot of the aspects that I would look for in a movie that I might go to the theater to see with my wife or something. It had uh, a lot of love interests, some, some, it was like a love story a little bit, and it also had a villain. So the love story kind of revolves around Freddie Mercury's love for Mary Austin throughout the entirety of the film. Of course, he uh, proposed to her. They break up when he comes out as as being bisexual and a, or a gay man, whatever. But he loves her dearly. Even when she gets pregnant with her first child, he's jealous. He's like, how could you do that to me? And she's like, how could I do it to you? You're not even involved. It's like, it's like we're not together. But uh, one thing they left out with that love story is that when Freddie died, he left his estate. I believe he at least left a home to Mary Austin. And I think that he left uh, most of his royalties to her. I think he left some of his royalties uh, to his family as well. And speaking of his family, again, talking about how I wish the film were expanded on a little bit. We know that his parents, Freddie's parents, were immigrants and seemed like Freddie wasn't too uh, happy about that. He didn't want to talk to his bandmates about it. They had no idea that his name wasn't even uh, Freddie Mercury at first. They didn't know that he was a boxer as a kid. Uh, There's a lot of what went on before Freddie joined Queen that I would like to know more about. Obviously this film wasn't talking about just Freddie Mercury, but I'm going to do a little research and I, I want to learn more about the villain in the film. It was Paul Prenter and I don't know if that's legitimately true that Paul was this bad guy, terrible influence on Freddie's life, but because Brian May and Roger Taylor were the producers of the film, obviously they thought that Paul Prenter was a bad guy or at least a a negative influence on Queen and specifically a negative influence on Freddie Mercury. He comes into the film and he's the first person that Freddie kisses and then they make it seem like Paul doesn't actually care about Freddie. He just cares about getting his portion of the money that Freddie's making. And uh, it doesn't seem like he cares about him as a person. And he, you just hate him throughout the whole film. And I was like, gosh darn it. If Freddie is still with this guy when he passes away, I'm going to be really upset about it. Obviously, I could have known that if I just looked up the history of it. But I didn't know it going in. And I was really glad that Freddie finally kicked that asshole to the curb. More about the movie as just a movie and not talking about Queen. The camera angles and the camera movement, uh, the choices of transitions, I thought was fantastic. My favorite thing about the film as a whole was, of course, the finale where they basically replicated the entire Live Aid concert. But there was a camera movement when Freddie started playing Bohemian Rhapsody uh, when it changes from Freddie's piano to Brian May's fucking amazing guitar riff where the camera kind of goes underneath uh, the piano and then through cameraman's legs I think and then up and focuses on the guitar where Brian May is riffing it out that movement was fantastic and there was a lot of examples in the movie of that type of thing that I think they did a really good job with you could tell that they put a lot of thought into these camera movements uh, there was I think it would probably cost a lot of money to do those kinds of things, and it worked out really freaking well, in my opinion. I, I really enjoyed viewing it. As a viewer, it was phenomenal. And some surprising bits of information that I even, I checked if they were real as soon as I left the theater. One is that John Deacon wrote I Want to Break Free, and that it wasn't even Freddie Mercury's idea to dress up in drag when they made the music video for I Want to Break Free. And the movie makes you really think it was probably... Uh, Freddie that was right that wrote the 
song. It was his idea. It was his idea all around because it was around the time when he was uh, getting ready to come out because he's at a press conference right before they make that that music video where every reporter's like, hey, Freddie, will you talk to us about your sexuality? There's rumors going around, um, you know, that, that you're gay or whatever, and he doesn't answer any of the questions. like, are you gay, darling? And he's just smoking a cigarette, and, and it kind of makes you feel like he's in a state of turmoil and, and mental distress. And then they go and they make the music video for I Want to Break Free. So you're thinking... And then just the song makes sense. I want to break free. I want to come out of the closet. The, the lyrics kind of make you think that. But no, Freddie didn't write the song. wasn't his idea of dress and drag. That was an interesting tidbit. And the next interesting tidbit that I found was I knew that their concert at Live Aid was the loudest one of that entire show to raise money for Africa. And I didn't know why it was the loudest show. But they show Queen's manager kind of turn up the volume on the soundboard. So that was... A great, great freaking move because, you know, we all remember that Live Aid concert. I wasn't alive when it happened, but like I said, I've watched it many a times. And the last uh, kind of tidbit of information that I I liked was when they were making their very first album is when they decided to do the thing where they switched the audio from right to left track. Uh, you know, like, wanna let you go, wanna let him go, wanna let you go. Of course, that's not on the first album, but you know what I mean? That switching back and forth. If you've ever listened to a Queen song with headphones on, you know what I'm talking about. Like, fascinated by the fact that they did that when they were making the first album. I don't know if it's true again, but Freddie was like, something sounds off. And then they were like, well, let's balance it back and forth. Great choice. I love that about Queen songs. I listen to a lot of music with headphones, and it really is pleasing to the ear. I'm sorry if this video hasn't been cohesive or straightforward following a nice timeline, but I just got home from the movie, super excited about it, decided to record this thing. Uh, I really wanted to talk about it. I talked to my wife the entire ride home. We probably spent an hour and a half talking about it, and I just I wasn't done. I wanted to talk to you guys about it. I seriously think that if you're a fan of Queen at all, you need to go see this movie. And I said this wasn't a review, but I would give it a perfect 10 out of 10. As for a movie and not a documentary, it's fantastic. Love it, love it, love it. But my question is, do you think if somebody goes to the movie and they weren't a fan of Queen before, do you think that they leave the theater with an appreciation for Queen music? Or do you think they'll be a fan? Or do you think that they'd be turned off at all? I don't know. I can't I can't think about the film as not a Queen fan because I am a fan of Queen. But if you've taken a friend or a loved one to the movies, to the theater to see this thing, and they weren't a fan of Queen's music before, did they leave the theater as a fan? Did they have an appreciation for them? Or do you think, if you if you haven't done that, do you think somebody would? Tell me about that in the comment section down below. I don't know when I'm going to be making another video on this channel, but if you're interested in uh, mixed martial arts videos, I I'm over at SB Nation MMA or MMAmania.com uh, making videos all the time. Thanks for hanging out with me for a bit here as I rambled on about my new favorite movie, but I really appreciate you if you made it to this point. Give the video a thumbs up and you have a, a wonderful day, darling. Namaste.